0: Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Marcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Vampire Slayer is a show where teenagers battle demons, supernatural uh, and natural, as well as uh, internal and external, uh, including their own hormones for a lot of it. Uh, it is a really one of a kind, interesting pastiche of different genres. That somehow works despite all of these crazy disparate elements coming together. Uh, I'm really glad we're getting to talk about this because I I like this show a bunch. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. And I know our guest does, too, because this was her pick. Uh, She is a writer of paranormal fiction herself. So please welcome to the podcast, the pride of West Virginia, Betsy Allen.
1: Hey. Hey,
0: Betsy. Nice to meet you and have you on the show.
2: Oh, thanks. This is great.
0: So uh, Buffy was your pick. I want to hear about why.
2: I actually watched it as soon as it came on the air, first run. I am that old <laughs> that, because <laughs> I was a teenager when it came out. I was an older teenager, but, and it just really, I don't know, resonated with me. Just, I felt like I was growing up with her and the internal conflicts I had too, somewhat. Like, I don't know, the sibling stuff that came in later in the uh, seasons that, Really resonated with me so much. But um, yeah, and it was just a great kick-ass show. And Buffy was a really strong female character that you just looked up to. She was really inspiring.
0: I, I will co-sign everything you just said, except for the watching it when I was a teenager. Because <laughs> I was uh, a little older when I came. I knew it was popular. I knew that it was the kind of thing I would like. People I trusted, you know, recommended it. But I just didn't get around to it. Mm. until I think it was already off the air. And I remember getting the, like, back when you would actually get physical discs from Netflix, I remember getting those and watching them. And that was my first experience uh, with the show. Uh, And then I did a rewatch with my wife some years later. So I've gone through the whole thing twice. Mm. And, yeah, it is this really kind of just astonishing thing where it's incredibly, you know, it's silly and... Uh, you know, kind of just wildly imaginative and grounded at the same time, which is a really neat balancing act It's, uh, you know, it's kind of Joss Whedon's thing And um, I guess before we get too into this, I it's been a while since I've done this But I have to put the asterisk on the podcast I haven't done this, I think, since we did our Ren and Stimpy episode But we're going to be praising this show a lot through the course of this podcast um, That should not be misconstrued as praise for Joss Whedon's uh, behavior because it's come out in recent years that he's kind of a turd and uh I, we won't need to go into the whole thing but just you know again there is uh, there, there is no necessary link between a person's talent and the way they act so he is a very very talented man he acted very very poorly and the, especially to the people on this particular show as it's come out i think it was i think it started with charisma carpenter kind of uh cordelia voicing that
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: I was actually pretty shocked, but you are completely right. There is there's talent and then there is their personal being a douchebag
1: thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's I think it's particularly flummoxing on this show because, as you mentioned, like, there's a lot of feminism going on in this show in a great mm-hmm. way. Like, they, you know, all of a lot of the female characters here are really strong, and the show goes out of its way to try and like amplify that. And, you know, especially at a time where that wasn't being done as much. Yeah. So to know that the creator, it's a little bit like when you find out that the Harry Potter, like, you read it and there's all these like themes of tolerance in it. And then you're like, oh, but the person who wrote it is kind of a bigoted shitbag. And you're like, well, <laughs> did, did you not, did you not? Read what you wrote. Did you not understand what you were writing right. when you put that in there? So anyway, I did want to get that disclaimer up top. And uh, you know, if if uh, Joss Whedon's behavior uh, turns you off and you don't want to listen to this episode, that's okay. Take the off ramp. Enjoy the next episode. But I, I'm fine with uh, delving deep into this show because there is so much on screen here that you know. Forget what happened off screen. Like the, we're we're left with the show itself, and it's pretty extraordinary. Um, do you have any? specific, like, nostalgic memories of watching it when you were younger? You know, things that kind of stand out to you back then?
2: Yeah, um, especially one of the episodes I had mentioned to you, The Body. That um, was when her mom died. And my aunt had actually just recently passed away when that one aired. So I remember just when I was trying to rewatch that episode (laughs) recently. (laughs) I had some little flashbacks of that, but at the time, you know, it was pretty great to, um, that they actually dealt with that on air with that kind of subject matter. But I mean, I remember I was working at Rite Aid as a shift supervisor. I was probably 20 or 21, just rushing home. To go watch the episode that was coming on at nine. Like, I got off work at nine and I would be like, okay, we're close by, and just like <laughs> run home so I could watch the episode. And um, I do have fond memories of watching like them live uh, as they aired with friends online. We would be on um, AOL's instant messenger, because like I said, old, <laughs> but we would just talk on AIM. And just talk about the episode as we were watching it before, you know, the whole before that actually got really popular and when Netflix <laughs> decided to go online.
0: Yeah, you know, I, my my nostalgic memories, like I said, are not tied to myself watching the show because I came back to it in my mid twenties a little later. Mm. But what I do remember is, so I was in a, an improv group for many many years, and there's a gal uh, who was in our group, and um, she would just. Every week we' you know we'd get together and she would be raving about this week's Buffy episode. And I think it spoke to her a lot in part because uh, she was gay and the show as it went on, did a lot for for queer representation, which uh, you know again, also just um, really pioneering in that regard and and really cool. Um, you mentioned the body. I'm gonna hold on to that episode to talk about for later because that's kind of a heavy. Uh, special episode yeah but you did uh, before we uh, got underway here we talked about it off air and we you came up with six episodes that were sort of representative th- in your mind of of what this show is and i think you you picked a good swath of stuff to kind of show what you know, if you were going to show someone buffy who had never seen it and go what is it like mm. i think you you nailed it um So I I thought those would be a good place to start. Uh, But before we even get into individual episodes, do you have a character that's like, this is my kid? I guess, who's your favorite character and which one of them are you? Because those are two different questions.
2: Yeah, now Buffy is my favorite character just because she's so strong and she just – she did what she had to do even when it – well, sometimes when it got hard, she didn't. But but, um, who I am is probably more Willow, just the studious, nerd – But um, while watching the show, I actually realized how far in the closet I was. So, like, there's one episode where um, Evil Willow, her doppelganger, is there. I forget which one it is. And she's, like, pretending to be her. And she's like, Buffy, I think I'm kind of (laughs) gay. And I remember being like, oh, my God. (laughs) Hmm. Am am I kind of gay? Because I'm getting into this. Like, just like being attracted to that um so but i i basically i didn't come out with willow but i was right there when she did and i was like yes
0: was that like a clue for you that oh maybe i am in yes fact, yay, or, okay yeah i i bet you are in good company i bet there are a lot of people who you know because of this show had that realization about themselves
2: oh yeah definitely I'm sure there is a Facebook group for him, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And for those who don't know, Willow is played by Allison Hannigan. Uh, she is famous for uh, How I Met Your Mother. And uh, she's also the chick from American Pie who's always talking about band camp. That was kind of her <laughs> breakthrough. Uh, and Buffy, of course, is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, gosh, I think my favorite character was probably Giles. Oh, yeah, uh, played by Anthony Head. He's the you know, he's the sage leader of the group. Um, you know, he's the Picard who I'm always drawn to whoever character is most like Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek. That's who I go with. You know, who's the sage older guy who dispenses wisdom? And uh, he's uh, most recently he's the he's playing a very evil character in Ted Lasso. That's his current thing. Um so he was probably my favorite, but if I had to think of who I was, uh, there's no way I'm not Xander. <laughs> uh, that's just the biggest nerd, it's obvious. And he's uh, played by Nicholas Brendon, and who is he's basically the love child of Chandler Bing and Bruce Campbell from Evil Dead.
2: Yes! That is the best description I've ever heard of him. <laughs>
0: Like all of his mannerisms are like he kind of looks like Bruce Campbell a little bit. He's got kind of the a little bit of the swagger, but he's also very nerdy, and he's got you know, they give him all the funny lines to say.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, he's he's got all the best zingers and stuff. So I I always uh, identified with with him. Um, yeah. Any other favorite characters before we kind of launch into episode by episode stuff?
2: Um, probably Spike, honestly.
0: Yeah, he's so cool.
2: Yeah, like I remember his first appearance was on an episode called, I think, School Hard in season two. And that was like when you start getting a little bit of backstory about Angel. But I loved him. I was like this British vampire who was just just awesome. (laughs) And then I liked it when he later got in on the to be a main character. It was fun just seeing his story play out.
0: Yeah, they did a lot more with him than you ever would have expected from that first episode. And the show kind of has like two halves to it. You've got like the first three seasons when they're in high school, and the latter four seasons after that. And they sort of have both halves of the show kind of have their own distinct personality. Um, but yeah, they they kind of bring Spike back in season four when they when they're in college. Mm-hmm. And God, yeah, they they do so much with him. And then of course he. You know he makes the ultimate sacrifice uh, in the last episode, which is great. Oh yeah, spoiler alert! We're talking about a show that's like 25 years old, so you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's gonna happen. It always happens on this show. That's kind of the point of the show. Um, so yeah, uh, any particular like? I know they may be in the episodes we're gonna cover, but are there any like favorite moments throughout the series?
2: Oh wow, I think and it is one of the episodes I picked is at the end of once more with feeling when mm. Buffy and Spike just finally are like, okay, we're just going to do it. We're just going to kiss. Cause there's always that tension between them. Maybe not since the beginning. Cause that's kind of icky. Cause she was in high school, but, <laughs> but later on, yeah, he's,
0: he's older than her by what? A uh, hundred and fifty years older than her yeah, or something.
2: Something like that. Yeah. But, um, and especially with the song playing um, at the end, the, one of the last lines is in uh, the, uh, the curtains close on a kiss, God knows. And I was and they did the kiss and I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that was the perfect ending to
0: that. It's a good moment. I, I always kind of was interested. There's that moment where she. Uh, loses her virginity, to, virginity to Angel, and everything's going great, and then everything, like the wheels, all come off.
1: Yes.
0: And there, there's something, you know, just in terms of her relationship, it's like it's just, just devastating. And not that, like, oh, that's entertaining to watch. This girl got her heart broken, but there was something so authentic about that experience of like, yeah, your first time is going to be messy and awkward, and it's not going to be magical, uh, and it could even be as bad as. this, Although I think this is, leads to the possibility of what the end of the world, you know, because it's Buffy. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, you know, there. That's what I mean when they take these very high concept supernatural things and make them incredibly human and relatable. I think Joss Whedon's very good at doing that. That's why his stint on all the Marvel movies worked so well, right? He found he's a he's able to find those human things inside all of the like pulpy comic booky stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's get, so your first episode that you picked was season three's Wish. We want to give a quick synopsis of what that is?
2: Yeah, so that is um, our first look at Anya, who comes on to the scene. And she is a vengeance demon. And she tries to get Cordelia to wish something about Xander. But it ends up Cordelia wishes Buffy had never come to Sunnydale.
3: Here. I think you need this more than I do right now. Yeah, I can use some luck. And a stick with pointy sharp bits. But if that Buffy wasn't, I swear. She's a pain. But Xander, he's an utter loser. Don't you wish? I never would have looked twice at Xander if Buffy hadn't made him marginally cooler by hanging with him. Really? Yeah, I swear. I wish Buffy Summers had never come to Sunnydale. <gasps>
2: And then you see what Sunnydale is like without Buffy there to head off the vampires and the demons and the things that go bump in the night, and it is just to me it was a brutal episode just to see um, like what Xander and Willow were like without Buffy there. And well, they're th-
0: vampires, is <laughs> what they're yeah,
2: like. <laughs> yeah. So to see them be like kind of evil was just I remember first watching it like oh my. God, what are they doing? What's going to happen? Is this going to be the, how the show goes? Because what if Buffy never shows up to save everyone? But of course, it's Buffy. So
0: Yeah, we should say this is a sort of unofficial sequel to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie with um, Christy Swanson. Mm. Um, they, they make like kind of oblique references to it from time to time, although it's like whether it's canon or not is kind of like, eh. But um, but yeah, what I liked about this episode was this kind of high concept thing of like, well, what if this character was never born or they, yeah, they never came in this case, never came to Sunnydale. That's a very kind of tried and true tropey thing. And they had this amazing twist on it, which is that Cordelia makes this wish and she's dead within like the first third of the sh- of the episode oh, yeah like i i was expecting so I, you know the way this would normally go in tv writer town is she would sur- certainly survive to the end of the episode she would learn some kind of a lesson and wish it all back and undo it right mm-hmm. that's the standard plot line instead she's wished for a world unwittingly that's so dangerous that she ends up getting killed pretty quickly
1: what what thought i had something
3: I want you to start again and explain everything very carefully. You're in a big cage. Not too bright, book guy.
1: So you're a watcher, huh? Watch this. Yeah,
0: And then I, the rest of the episode and it's like interesting because she's the only one who knows this wish other than Anya so it's like how are the other characters going to undo this they don't even know that this other version of the reality could exist
1: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah and I know it was Giles who <clears throat> was the one that was like when she mentioned Buffy to him he was like oh and I know it was basically because of Giles that they even got it figured out or that he even had that faith
0: in Buffy. He's posing, well, as he always is, he's posing as a school librarian. He is, uh, his job title is Watcher, which basically means he's part of the society of people that are aware of things that go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. And, but since there's only one Slayer at a time, uh I'm setting aside some other quirks that happen in the show. Uh, he ends up, by luck, being the Watcher for Buffy. Uh, here in, in Sunnydale, where there is a hellmouth that attracts all manner of evil things, um, and in this version of of Sunnydale, right, somebody else is Buffy's watcher, and she's off in I think Cleveland, yeah. They say at one point, so they really are are you know a Like they don't have a Slayer to help them kill all these things, and they're failing miserably. Like the town is like, they, they, you can tell like everyone's like, oh, the sun's going down, you better run and hide because <laughs> the vampires run
1: everything.
2: Yeah. Well, and even. I kind of liked how they still had Angel being still a good vampire. I mean, I know he had has his soul then. But, oh, the way they treated him was just heartbreaking. Because <laughs> they had him in a cage and Willow played with him like a little puppy. And, so. He put
0: out, like, cigarettes on him and stuff, too. Like, he's got yeah. burns all over him.
2: Yeah. That poor guy. He was just trying to do good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I liked his character as well. I never actually watched the spinoff with him. Did you? Mm I assume you were a huge fan, so you must have watched Angel.
2: I did. um, I didn't watch it as like I did Buffy. I ended up getting it off Netflix on discs (laughs) when they were doing (laughs) that to watch. And it even had audio commentary on it. So I remember watching the very final season. um, And then I was watching with audio commentary. And they're like, oh, this is the episode we found out we were canceled. (laughs) Aww. and we just stopped getting shits, <laughs> but i i did watch it mainly um i stopped watching it for a few years but when they put spike on it i was like oh let's let's rewatch that
0: well that was weird yeah they, they after he had made this ultimate sacrifice i know they found a way to like bring him back to life yeah and put him on the show which is like i like more spike but that does kind of rob him of that great moment um Oh, and I should say, for those who don't know who Angel is, this is uh, David Boreanaz, who plays him from, uh, was it Bones? Is this his newer show? Yeah. And and, uh, he's a vampire who has recovered his soul, so he is now able to be good. He's still a vampire, but he he has ethical choice to do good. Yeah. So he's kind of a love interest for Buffy. So, yeah, I think this is a neat pick. This kind of, this Wish episode kind of exemplifies a lot of the, like, again, the higher concept stuff they would do maybe a little more unusual than the average monster of the week stuff yeah um all right and so the next one you pick was from season four it was i'm blanking hush hush thank you that's a great one yeah oh Uh, my uh, god. all-time classic
2: yes
3: do you hear that seven and they might take yours can't call to mom can't say a word you're gonna die screaming but you won't be
2: heard oh that one just that one actually scared me when I was younger <laughs> the first time I saw it because it was so quiet and just eerie and just oh and those those creatures
1: mm
0: yeah, the, I mean, generally the show isn't actually that scary. Like the the demons and vampires and the creatures that they go up against are they're more fun, you know, than they are meant to be actually, you know, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but this these guys are these they're how would you describe how they look? They're these like tailored corpses, sort of.
2: Yeah. They honestly, when the Slender Man stuff started happening, that's. When Slenderman came out, that's I was like, oh, they modeled that after the guys in Hush. They had to have.
0: You know, it's funny. We did a, a. I used to do another podcast called A Podcast But Evil, and that the remit of that show was to cover a different villain every week. Go back and listen to it. It's still online. It's great. Um, and we did an episode on Slenderman, and you know what? This exact thing came up. That they, they look like these guys from Hush. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, they're they're kind of emaciated. I don't know if they even have lips. They're kind of like you know gross, desiccated people, but they're inside these, like, suits, you know, yeah. Don Draper-esque suits, and they kind of float three inches off the ground
1: mm-hmm.
0: very, like, rigidly for no reason. It's it's a very unnatural form of movement, and I'm sure it's produced by the fact that they're on some kind of a rig, you know, to help these actors do it, yeah. but the 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 effect is, like, because it's not digital, it's analog, um, yeah, it's very unsettling to watch them just kind of float around.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> it really was. Ex- oh, especially when, um, who was it? It was Tara, was um, knocking on the doors because they were coming after her, and that that always creeped me out. Was like just watching them come for her. <laughs>
1: she,
0: right, and she's like pounding on each door in yeah. this building, trying to get someone to open it and help yeah. her. But uh, I guess we should say with the the gimmick here is so it's called Hush because these demons um, they just open a box that, like Little Mermaid style, sucks out everyone's voices. And so most of the episode, none of the characters can speak. They can, you know, they're gesticulating. They're writing on, you know, little whiteboards and stuff to communicate with each other. But otherwise, yeah, they they can't talk, and they're gonna have to somehow scream to make these things go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're, it's legitimately creepy. It's a really solid episode of. This feels like akin to like you know the best episodes of something like the X Files. Oh yeah. You know, you know, really really solid stuff. Um, Is there a favorite, like, character? You mentioned the Tara thing. Any other, like, favorite moments from this one?
2: Um, Yeah, so it actually is Tara and Willow. When Tara sees Willow trying to concentrate to move the soda machine, that's when Tara, you can just see she realizes Willow has power, and then they just clasp their hands together, and their power both makes the soda machine move in front of the door. And I just thought that was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, we should mention. So Tara is Willow's girlfriend uh, from seasons four through part of six, and uh, this is like I mentioned before. Sh- this is your your queer representation through her, and they build that relationship so organically, and it feels so lived in.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's probably, I think, the most well developed relationship on the show.
2: Agree. Yeah, definitely.
0: And this is where it starts. Really, is this episode?
2: Yeah, yeah, because they um. Oh yeah, because they introduced Tara at the beginning in the Wicca group that is all about baked cells and not actually Wicca.
3: But there's also other stuff that we might show an interest in as a Wicca group. Like what? Well, there's the wacky notion of spells, you know, conjuring transmutation. Oh, yeah. Then we could all get on our broomsticks and fly around on our broomsticks. You know, certain stereotypes are not very empowering. I think that... One person's energy can suck the power from an entire circle. No offense. Well, maybe we could... Yeah. Tara, guys, quiet. Do you have a suggestion? Okay, let's talk about the theme for the bacchanal.
0: Well, the other thing that this show does well is kind of combine these, whatever the, the problem is of the week, they make it thematically resonant with what the characters are going through. So a lot of it is like Buffy and this guy, Riley, that she likes, you know, it's about what they can't say to each other. And of course, now the episode is there. They literally can't talk at all. And yeah. when they finally get their voices back, that's sort of like, well, what do you want to talk about? yeah and they don't know what to say to each other again they're they're stuck in silence and, yeah you know the, again you know a lesser show would not have built that like these themes on top of the plot that well and mm-hmm. i think the show does it incredibly well
2: oh yeah definitely yeah i always love the end where they go they're in buffy's room and they just stare at each other <laughs> like she and riley right. <laughs> it's like well now we know what do we do now
0: yeah, I felt bad. They never really gave Buffy a successful relationship on the show. They kind of have to, like, you know, she starts with Angel, who's a mess. Riley turns out to be a mess. Spike is an even bigger mess in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah.
1: Um,
0: you know, she's like, she, she just doesn't, uh, she's unlucky in love. And, Definitely. Uh, you know, that's just not her arc in the show, I guess, to find yeah. that. There's no big, like, will they, won't they?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, all right, so your next episode that you picked after Hush
2: once more with filling from i think that was oh, okay. season 6 yeah
0: i was there one oh no, there, there was two in 5 though you had um you oh. had the, the the body and then the, the was it the gift
2: the gift yeah
0: yeah okay um uh, i'm i'm still going to save the body for later cuz yeah, like i said that's a heavy one let's talk about the gift
2: oh god <clears throat> yeah <laughs> that to me was kind of a heavy episode too so i remember when this was first running on air i don't think they had been, they had been canceled, not canceled, but they weren't going to be renewed. And so this was actually going to be the final episode of the series, <clears throat> which then I can't remember if it went from the CW to WB or I can't remember networks. It's been like 20 years, but <laughs> so this to me was the final episode of the series when it first aired. And, um, it was, it was just so good. I am a baby sister. So I kind of identified with Dawn a little bit in some areas, like, especially like later on when she's more growing up, but, you know, I had the big sister and, um, and of course, you know, we love each other, but this love with Buffy and Dawn was just, I don't know. It was so good.
0: Yeah, we should mention, so so Dawn is Buffy's sister, quote unquote, who is introduced in season five. Thanks. And what I really liked about that was it takes like eight or nine episodes of you going, is no one going to ask the question about <laughs> why there was no bu- kid sister in seasons one through four? Like, what the fuck is going on? And they they had the confidence to let that go for a long time before they finally went, okay, she's actually not her little sister. She is this, like, cosmic energy that's been given human form, and through a bit of magic, everyone has basically been memory wiped to forget that she was not there all along. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really confident move to, like, not let the audience in on that for that long.
1: Yeah,
2: definitely. Because I remember when I first watched it, I was like, who, what? I, what do you mean sister? <laughs> Especially at the end of the first episode with the Dracula episode, which was the first episode of that season. And it was like, at the end, she's like, take your sister. And they, both, she's like, mom. And I was like, what? So we, cause I mean, this was not pre internet, but it was pre Google and things were not really leaked as bad as they could have been. So we didn't, my friends and I had no idea what was going on. And they just like went on like, oh yeah, Dawn's been here forever. <laughs> i just like, what? What are you talking about?
0: Yeah, and so it turns out that basically she is uh, in human form a key that will unlock the the big bad of the season, who's this some sort of elder god named Glory?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That you know they want she wants to get her hand. She's the, Dawn is the MacGuffin of the season. Glory wants to get her hands on it because uh, if they bleed her, that will open up a portal that Dawn can use, or Glory can use to wreak untold havoc on the earth. Um, so the whole question is, how are they going to, she's been kidnapped and how are they going to stop this ritual from happening? And if it does start, what then what are they going to do? Because the only possible solution is maybe just kill Dawn quickly so this portal will close before too much damage happens.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I... <clears throat> I was wondering that, too, and I was watching it. I was like, oh, my God. And then um, when Buffy, you know, starts getting her little voices in her head going, your gift is death. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? So
0: she might as well be coughing blood into a handkerchief at that point. Because
2: right. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's hmm, that's that's telling right there. But yeah, but when she. Because she even tells her in one episode before that you know your blood is my blood you're made for me and that and then your your gift is death and I thought it was honestly the perfect end to the show because Buffy had done her job she you know she saved them a lot she saved the world a lot (laughs) but but yeah how it ended though was Dawn was getting bled the portal opened And then Buffy sacrifices herself to close the portal. And that, to me, was the perfect end.
3: Don, listen to me. Listen. I love you. I will always love you. This is the work that I have to do. Giles, tell Giles I figured it out and I'm okay. I give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. You have to be strong the hardest thing in this world is to live in it be brave live for me
2: I mean I love the rest of the show too
0: so. yeah I'm glad we got season 6 and 7 because there's some great stuff in there and I actually oh, like yeah. the the, uh, the finale of Buffy, the, the series finale in season seven. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is definitely emotionally, you know, it works, especially given the stuff, again, I'm, I keep saving it, but the stuff in the body kind of resonates with this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, dealing with their mom's death. And, um, yeah, it's a great way for the show to go out. And and the one thing they've been layering in across, especially getting into season five and then even beyond is kind of how miserable Buffy is. <laughs> like, she, you know, she's kicking ass, she's saying one liners, but a big part of her is like, is so tired mm. of going out and killing vampires every night. You know, she's saving the world over and over and over. It's such a huge burden on her, even with the help of her, her friends and allies, that I think that really humanizes her. Like, they do this. This is like, and this feels like Joss Whedon learning a lesson from like Spider Man. Like that's a big <laughs> element of Spider-Man is like he's just like oh yeah I have to keep stopping Doctor Octopus but it costs me my personal life. Yeah. Right? Like, you know,
1: mm. sp-
0: look at Spider-Man No Way Home, right? He that that ends with him basically having to have the entire world forget he ever existed. That's the price he has to pay to stop this thing. And so that so him getting kind of uh, kicked in the nuts by the plot all the time Mm-hmm. weighs on spider-man and joss whedon being a student of this stuff you can tell he like brings that kind of thing to buffy to say like yeah you 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 can't keep this up forever and be chipper like this does wear on her
2: yeah oh definitely
0: uh so let's go to you said uh once more with feeling
2: oh yeah the musical episode <laughs>
0: This is, yeah, this is pretty, this is in a period where, like, there were a lot of musical episodes happening on television, but this is, I think, probably the best of them. Oh, yeah. Might have been the first one. I can't remember if it's the first one.
2: I think, I remember it was the first one I saw, and I was like, what? And, uh, and just just as, as an aside, years later, like, it's it was actually just a couple years ago from here, they released that soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> and I i'm have guessing it. you bought it i bought yeah. it i was one of the first um, people <laughs> i was like yes please because that soundtrack was awesome
0: yeah the songs are pretty good they are written by joss whedon yeah uh, believe it or not who had not he, I, I did not know much of him as a songwriter at all although he did write uh the villain song from the lion king 2 simba's pride he, he wrote the the villain song in that so oh. i knew he i mean i guess he uh, his like a side thing is writing songs, but these are actually really Mm well-written. And um, there's kind of something kind of charming about how the, the cast sings them because they're not all, some of them are good singers and some of them are not. Yeah. And they just sort of have to muddle through. It fits with like the plot. If you want to explain kind of what the, why they're all singing diegetically in the, in the plot of this thing.
2: Yeah. So um, there's apparently this really fun demon who (laughs) gets summoned. um, Not, not accidentally, but, the person who summoned them didn't realize what was going to happen, but it just turns their lives into this whole musical, but they're singing their feelings. They're seeing their secrets is what happens. And that really opens some eyes up to, to some of the relationships with the characters too.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, so for a musical episode, you expect it to be a little lighter and fluffier.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: what ends up happening is as you said, just as in a real, you know, regular musical, the the musical numbers are often a vehicle for these characters to express what they're really thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: and there's a problem when maybe you're, you're a little too much honesty. Yes, and you know the recipients don't always like hearing what these people are singing about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you, there's a lot like they move the plot forward, the season arc, a lot in this one episode, way more than you would expect. I was like, oh. You know, the chickens are coming home to roost. Oh, mm-hmm. they're coming to home to roost again. You know, they <laughs> as they keep singing.
2: Yeah, oh definitely.
0: What's your favorite song?
2: Um, oh gosh. Of course you know I'm a Spike girl, even. Mm. I'm a Spuffy person. <laughs> I really <laughs> ship Spike and Buffy. Um, but the song he sings to her about just wanting to be resting in peace.
3: That's great. But I don't want to play being with you touches me more than I can say Since I'm only dead to you, I'm saying stay away And let me rest in peace Let me rest in peace Let me get some sleep Let me take my love and bury it in a hole six foot deep I can lay my body down, but I can't find my sweet relief I
2: think it was probably one of my favorites, but also Buffy's song. Because that's when, you know, you talk about her getting tired, like in season five or in season six. I mean, I guess we can spoil. She was brought back from the dead and she's right. different. And even she knows she's different. And her first number is just about her not feeling Knowing. anything. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's called Going Through the Motions.
2: Yeah, so she's, I think that's a good song too.
3: Every single night, the same arrangement, I go out and fight the fight. Still, I always feel the strangest estrangement. Nothing here is real, nothing here is right. I've been making shows of trading blows, just hoping no one knows that I've been going through the motions, walking through the part. Nothing seems to penetrate my heart I was always brave and kind of righteous Now I find I'm wavering Crawl out of your grave, you find this fight just doesn't mean a thing She
1: ain't got that swing Thanks for noticing. She does pretty well with fiends from hell. But lately we can tell that she's just going through the motions. Going through the motions I somehow. She's not even half the girl she ow oh.
3: Will I stay this way?
0: Yeah, it sets the tone for the episode as well.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, and
0: there's a very fun, funny moment the next morning where she comes to meet with the, with the rest of the gang, the Scoobies. I have <laughs> to throw that in there. So she goes to meet with the Scoobies and she's like, did, did this happen to any of the rest of you? And they're all like, oh my God, I thought it was just me. You know, yeah,
2: they're like, thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. Anytime you see the like the non-Scoobies singing in this episode, by the way, when it's like the entire town singing about they got the mustard out.
3: Yeah. They
1: got the mustard. Ah, it's
3: not just us.
0: You know, <laughs> like Joss Whedon definitely—he knows his musical theater. He's—he's he's, uh, well studied because this—this reminds me of stuff like *Schmigadoon* now, where it's like, you know, yeah, these people really know how to parody this stuff. Mm. Um. But, yeah, th- th- it ends with that thing about her being, uh, she, you know, she was in heaven and they pulled her back out and how, like, yeah, you thought she was miserable before. She had a taste of paradise now.
1: hmm
0: So, although yeah. I guess she figures, hey, is, whenever I die, I'll go back. So that's not so bad.
2: Yeah. Well, I know there was one song. Um, I think Giles was like, we'll die trying. And she's like, hey, I've died twice. <laughs> like, like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, mm, yeah, I've been there, done that. But, Yeah. But the looks on the Scooby's faces, when she says, I was in heaven, like, Willow's face was just, I think she knew she did wrong, bringing her back. Like, she, I don't think, or she felt she did wrong, but I don't know.
0: Well, she, yeah, exactly. She she finally got the peace that she wanted. Yeah. It's you know, gloomy, but, I mean, you can, although... Yeah, I still think it's like, well, once you know it's there, I guess you you don't have to be afraid so much of death anymore. Yeah, okay, go kill some more vampires. Eventually I'll get back. It'll be fine. You know, like, yeah. But yeah, the, the, those emotional beats really work. I think the, uh, Xander and uh, Ari, um, Anya kind of coming apart as mm-hmm. well
1: mm-hmm.
0: is interesting because they, they have the, the most like uh, Fred and Ginger kind of – Fluffy 30s sort of number. I forget the term they use to describe it, but they use very musical theater terms to describe their number. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very it's very cute.
1: He snores.
0: She wheezes. They
3: housework and he freezes. She
1: eats these skeezy cheeses that I can't describe.
3: I talk, he breezes. She
1: doesn't know what pleases. His
3: penis got diseases from
1: a shoe tribe. The vibe Gets, gets kind of scary.
3: Like she thinks I'm ordinary. Like it's all just temporary.
1: Like her toes are kind of hairy, but it's all very well. Cause God knows I'll never tell. And yeah,
0: they also reveal like, oh, maybe, you know, we're, we're struggling as well. And we don't even realize it.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then there's the Willow and Tara song. I'm under your spell, which Willow had been using magic to, um, Erase some of Tara's memories when they would fight, and she didn't want Tara to remember. So, that I always thought was interesting that Joss wrote that song about that.
0: Yeah.
1: I live my life in shadow, never the sun on my face. It didn't seem so sad, though. I figured that was my place. Now I'm bathed in light. Something just isn't right. I'm under your spell. How else could it be? Anyone would notice me. It's magic I can't tell. How oh, you set me free, brought me out so easily. I saw.
0: I mean, I mean that's a really—it's a way to violate someone that can only work in a magical show. There's no way to do that to a person in real life, but you can imagine just like finding out that this person was selectively deleting your memories Mm -hmm. to make you like them. I mean, that's—it's pretty fucked up what she did. You know, it's it's not great. Yeah. Um, But but again, that is the season-long arc of her learning. You know, figuring out. You know, she's abusing this power that she has Mm -hmm. as their their team wizard or sorceress or whatever she is yeah which I guess kind of leads into the next one you picked which is seeing red
2: yeah so I told my friend we were doing this and what episodes and he was like why did you pick seeing red and I was like because it's the consequences episode (laughs) it really I mean and in context you probably do need to watch a few episodes up to it and after it but you know it's the one where the shit starts to hit the fan in this season so but Tara and Willow have made up and they're just you know well kind of made up they're just they skipped it and just went to the being together part again and then of course you think the big bad is the trio the three nerds Jonathan Warren and oh what was his name I'll Tom always, Link.
0: Yeah, Tom Link is the actor, but I can't think of the character's name either.
2: I can't
1: either. Is it Andrew? Is it and, Andrew?
2: Something like that. I just watched it too. <laughs> I just can't yeah. remember. The and skinny one. The skinny. The skinny blonde. He's really funny. I follow him on Instagram too.
0: But um, so does my wife. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but so you think they're the big bads, especially Warren, until um, you get to the end of this episode. So Buffy has defeated warren he had somehow gotten these orbs that made him invincible and they fight but
0: yeah what um, an incel he needs literally a set of magic balls to be right right
1: yes wow that almost hurt kitten Uh,
3: killer killer You know who I am, huh? Slayer? You're a murderer. Well, that too, but more to the point. I'm the guy that beat you. And it's not the muscles, baby. It's the brains. I'll remember that when I knock them clean out of your... Whoa! Sparky, I didn't think you had it in you. Orbs. Smash his orbs.
1: Say goodnight, bitch.
3: Good night, bitch.
2: I always thought that was hilarious. But so she smashes his orbs and um, she ends up defeating him. Warren and or not Warren, but Jonathan and Andrew end up going to jail, and Warren escapes. But um At the end, when Buffy and Xander actually make up from a fight they had had, Warren appears, and he's just got a gun because he's an idiot, and just he thinks he's so macho, and he has his gun, and he's shooting at Buffy, and he shoots her, and then he inadvertently shoots Tara.
1: Buffy,
3: you think you could just do that to me?
1: You think I'd let you get away with that? Think again. Your shirt. Tara? Sweet fancy Moses. Where the hell did he... Oh, God. Tara? Baby? Baby, come on. Get him up. Buffy. 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 No.
2: And um, I'll never forget that scene either. Just when um, she's just looking at Willow and then all you see is the blood spray on Willow's face. And that was so monumental, I think. Just, I was like, oh my God. And the I think the title of the episode came from that very end part. Because Willow realizes Tara's dead. She looks up. Boom. There go the red eyes. They turn red and black.
0: Yeah, she's got those like magic eight ball eyeballs yeah. that happen when she's <laughs> using too much magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting because every once in a while this show will remind you that there's like mundane forms of evil out there and they don't do it very often they're very you know usually it's you know you're facing down i don't know something covered in tentacles and slime
1: yeah. right mm-hmm.
0: um or you know some sort of magical thing and so when they introduce like a gun it somehow hits harder and i feel like it's, i forget is there an in-universe explanation as to for why you know like willow could revive buffy but not tara
2: you know i'm not sure
0: I was trying to remember that because I'm like, well, if the, in, the news, in this universe, if you can just bring people back from the dead, yeah. this is not that consequential. But they can't bring back Joyce. They don't bring back Tara. Um, and there must be – it probably is because she died by non-magical means. I think – Suspicion.
2: I think that's what it was. So – and Buffy, I mean, she hadn't died yet. I think what Willow just used her power to bring the bullet out. And then Buffy's heals quickly. So – I think right, she's got
0: that Wolverine yeah. factor stuff. So.
2: so, but yeah, always, yeah. yeah, of course the show wouldn't have gone where it went <laughs> if she was able to bring Tara back.
0: <laughs> no, because then yeah. Willow becomes the big bad of the remaining like five episodes of the yes. season and they have to like, you because know, she's going absolutely bananas and they have to kind of talk her down and mm-hmm. it all becomes about, you know, a lot of the show is, you know, how do you deal with grief? Yes. And uh, Willow deals with it very poorly, at least for a while, because she doesn't want to face it. Um, and I think she kills Warren at some point. Like, Doesn't she, like, disintegrate him or something awful?
2: She skins him alive.
0: Skins him alive. Yeah, I knew it was something that was, like, yeah. really brutal.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, was, I might have to rewatch these, the later episodes, <laughs> to get closure myself from Tara's death.
0: I would say you pick the one. It's, it's tough because she, you know, the seeing red thing happens right at the end of the episode and we didn't pick the one that comes after it. Yeah, But like, yeah, that it's hard to kill a character off on a TV show and have it kind of have some impact. Mm-hmm. Usually it feels like, OK, this is ratings schmuck bait or whatever. You know, you're just, you know, you, yeah, you know, it's always fun to kill a character. But like, you know, the best shows do it in a way where it feels like it means something. You know, the, see Thrones, comma, game of. And here, like, it's so senseless, mm-hmm. right? It, it literally, like, there's, it's just a complete mistake by this dumbass. It's like the most quintessential, like, toddler finds his dad's gun in the back of the car and shoots him yeah. kind of story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it just, yeah, it's gut wrenching. It's just, you watch her just like flop down, like, that's it. It's the end of Tara. Yeah, that was,
2: that was horrible. And, um, I don't know if you knew this, but that episode was the first time Amber Benson's name, um, she was Tara, was as a main cast. She was actually in the main credits. And then they killed her. Yeah. Joss Whedon did that on purpose. So he I think he had always wanted to do that, (laughs) just kill a main character to show that no one's safe.
0: Yeah, I mean, this resonates for the rest of the series. I remember there's that first episode of season seven where Willow's basically in like magic rehab Mm -hmm. to deal with the trauma of not only losing Tara, but then the way she reacted to it. Yeah, um, it's really interesting because that deprives the team of their powerful sorceress that they're going to need to fight the first, the you know, the ultimate evil, yeah, uh, for, for season seven, and um. The the show's kind of never really the same after this point. You know, you you've done this act of incredible like realistic violence to the characters that it just kind of reshapes their their world.
2: Yeah, because they're they're used to magical beings, and then here comes Warren with a gun. <laughs> it's just like okay. What do we do now? No one's safe. Nothing's sacred.
0: <laughs> it's just. Yeah, they're, they're used to looking up the solution in a grimoire somewhere.
2: Yeah. You, you know, th-
0: this is not that.
2: Yeah, definitely not.
0: And so, yeah, maybe this is a good time to talk. Finally talk about the body. Oh, God. Because this is um, we, we've touched on it already. Of course, the episode where Buffy comes home to find her mother dead on the couch and the entire episode is just the characters processing this. The, mm-hmm. you know, first, the instant horror of it in the moment, the kind of weird, awkward aftermath for everybody. That it's there. There is one supernatural thing at the at the very end of the episode, but basically the entire episode is missing all of the the stuff that you normally see in a Buffy episode. It's, yeah. I think, one of the most brilliantly written things in the entire show.
2: Oh yeah, it was so good. So I'm just going to disclose I tried to rewatch this because it's been a while since I've seen it, and I got 20 minutes into it, and I was like, I can't watch this. (laughs) I remember what happens from, like, I've seen, I mean, I've gone through the show like two or three times, but just losing a parent is so hard, and I hadn't lost my dad yet when this episode ran, so I didn't know, like, the impact it would have. Now, my aunt had passed away, and she helped raise me, and um this episode came out near then and i was like okay so it kind of helped me a little bit because i was young and i didn't know how to process either i mean i was their age like or a little bit younger than them in the show and i was just like this makes so much sense but i remember anya freaking out because she didn't know how to behave because she'd never been through it before, so.
3: Are they going to cut the body open? Oh, my God. Would you just stop talking? Just shut your mouth. Please. What am I doing? How can you act like that? Am I supposed to be changing my clothes a lot? Is that the helpful thing to do? Guys. The way you behave. Nobody will tell me. Because it's not okay for you to be asking these things. But I don't understand. I don't understand how this all happens. How we go through this i mean i knew her and then she's there's just a body and i don't understand why she just can't get back in it and not be dead anymore it's stupid it's mortal and stupid and and xander's crying and not talking and, and i was having fruit punch and i thought well joyce will never have any more fruit punch ever and she'll never have eggs or yawn or brush her hair not ever and no one will explain to me why
2: i i remember connecting with her in that episode when i was like in my early 20s <laughs> well,
0: yeah the common factor among all of them is, the characters and the way they deal with this is they don't know what to do mm-hmm. and they don't know what to say and they don't know how to behave and I found that all of that stuff to be incredibly well observed. That, like, Buffy, you know, she gets on the phone to 911. And this character who's normally so capable and on top of everything, she's almost talking like she's a six-year-old. Yeah. Like, she does not, she really just does not know what to do.
3: It's my, my mom. She, she's not breathing. Is she conscious? No, I, 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 I can't. She, she's not breathing. Okay, I need What? I'm gonna send an ambulance over. It's 1630 Ravello. It's a a house, Ravello, near Hadley. I'm sending a unit right away. Are you alone in the house? Yes. And did you see what happened? Did she fall? No, no. I I came home and she. Well, what should I do? Do you know how to administer CPR? No, I don't remember. Okay, it's very simple. You want to tilt your mother's head back, cover her mouth with yours and breathe. Her mouth, to I know I know this. And I, know this. I can do this. I can do
1: this. Okay. okay. Four,
3: five, six, seven, eight. Are you there? I I broke something. Hello. It cracked. Is she breathing? No. Paramedics should be there in a moment. You might have cracked a rib. It's not important. She's cold. The body is cold? No, my mom. Sh- should I make her warm?
0: Um, she's, you know, has a hard time understanding like, no, she's de- Oh, she's cold. Right, the body is cold. She, she's not processing. That means she's been dead a long time, and you can't save her.
1: Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Um. All all of those things she says are like sort of infantile, and then you watch the other characters. Like Willow keeps changing her outfit because she doesn't mm-hmm. know what the right thing is to wear. Right. Every character is like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So they're all like, f- foundering.
2: Yeah.
0: Or yeah. floundering, I should say. Yeah.
2: It was. It was a tough episode, but
0: it's hard to watch yeah it, it, it
2: really is um, well, especially um, just since my mom had cancer and she's she's still with us she's in remission but I remember when I put this episode on the other day I was like, oh yeah, that's my biggest fear right there I don't know can I get through this but it was is so well written and it just really did make a lot of sense because that's how people are especially that young and none of them had ever lost a parent like none of the other characters had ever talked about that so you know they don't really know what's going on with Buffy and Dawn like how they're feeling and poor Dawn oh my gosh
0: Right, she has to find out at school.
2: Yeah, especially after someone had called her a freak or something, said she freaked out about something, so she's upset anyway. She's flirting with this guy in art class. And then here comes Buffy. This one time in history, um, she had this book called Annals of History, and she didn't know how to say the word annals, so she kept saying... "done."
3: I have to talk. Um, what? Can it wait? I'm in the middle of class. Anna, please come with me. I thought Mom was picking me up. What's going on? Something's going on. Let's go outside. No, tell me what's going on. It's bad news. Well what is it? What happened? It's bad. Please can we Where's Mom? Mom had an accident. Or um something went wrong from the tumor
2: is she okay? Is she but she's okay. But it's it's serious. But
1: um... Yeah, it's
0: all teenager stuff with yeah. Her. she's you know, totally normal teenagers have to be dealing with when she because she doesn't know. Yeah. What's coming, and I love that moment where because Buffy is trying to tell her, and she's like, "Let's just go home." You know, you don't. Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. You know, we don't. Mm. You don't want to find out right here in front of everybody. Yeah. And Dawn isn't getting it. She, the message is not getting through, and so finally Buffy's just like lets it out, and yeah. and we silently see it. We don't hear Buffy say it. We just see what the kids see, which is they're watching it through a window, and Dawn just breaks.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, no, no pun intended there, and. Um. It, yeah. Every for every single one of these characters, it's brutal to watch.
2: Yeah, it really is. Definitely is. But
0: and so I think the way it ends is so interesting because they you know they go to the morgue, uh, you know they're trying to find out you know they're confirmed it was just totally natural, just an aneurysm. It was, yeah. You know, no, you know, no demons involved. And so they decide they're going go to go into the the morgue to look at the body. And they're, you know, they're in there and then behind them, So again, like I said, not too many true horror moments in this show. Yeah. <laughs> but having this vampire silently just sit up under the sheet behind them. Yes. Is this great horror, you know, now they're thrust in the middle of this into having to kill this vampire, which of course they succeed in doing. Yeah. And is this wonderful, like, yeah, even when you're at your lowest moment, like this shit isn't going to, this shit train that you're on, Buffy, isn't going to stop, which... Mm -hmm. supports her wanting to you know being comfortable with death and not being happy about coming back like it all feeds into this like yeah all of the burdens of life are still there on top of the vampire slang yeah
2: yeah that's very heavy poor buffy
0: (laughs) yeah poor buffy
2: poor buffy
0: i do love the acknowledgement though that, like the title of the episode is like at first like they it's buffy screaming like they told me not to move the body Uh, and she and she can't refer to her mom that way as the body and then at the end she has the recognition of like well that's just the body mom isn't there yeah that's not who mom is this is just meat Mm -hmm. right yeah just poetically done and and beautiful
2: yeah it was and i love joyce i love that character so much like even when she found out dawn wasn't really hers she was like no she's mine like i just love that about her She was like, you take care of her.
0: They make her a good mom character. Like, she's up there with, like, Marge Simpson as, like, all-time great (laughs) TV moms.
2: Yeah. Well, I love how she's so clueless in the beginning, like, the first few seasons. And then when she finally figures out what Buffy does, she just really does become more supportive and just a a great woman.
0: Well, yeah, like, the first three seasons, like, we sort of talked about her kind of a different yeah. Where they're dealing a lot with like everyone in Sunnydale is, ob- at least the adults, are oblivious to the horror that's happening in the town.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: again, tried and true trope, like Stephen King does that shit all the time. It's very love, H.P. Lovecraft would do this stuff. And finally, you know, you have the mayor turn into a giant worm at their high school graduation and try to <laughs> kill everyone. think that's my favorite arc is the whole thing with the mayor he's a great big bad yeah um and and then after that it's a different game where like people are much more like kind of aware of like weird shit's going on in sunnydale
2: yeah oh definitely definitely yeah oh god that mayor
0: Mayor wilkins right i think yeah it's it's wilkins yeah all right, so we're, we're kind of coming up to the end here. We, we've covered a lot of the show and a lot of the things in it. Um, so I'll ask you the question I always ask our guests is why do you think it is that people still are in love with this show How, however many decades on now? Like, why has Buffy had this staying power for people over time?
2: Oh, gosh, probably because she is such a strong female character. And that, I mean, for the time that came out in, it was... I don't think you really saw that on TV at all. But, and knowing that there are younger, people younger than like me (laughs) who really still like it, who have just seen it for the first time, they're like, oh, I love it. Because I think it's just, even though it is 20 some years old, it still resonates with people. It still connects, like they can still connect with, like in the body, losing someone close to you. You know, they can be like, oh yeah, I've been through this. I know what you're going through. And like, or they know what I'm going through and it just, you know, it can help comfort and stuff. This is actually one of my comfort shows. Like if I'm sick or if I'm depressed or something, I just go on Hulu and I'll (laughs) just throw in a Buffy episode and I feel better.
0: Yeah. There's a special place I think for shows that capture that feeling of what it's like to be an awkward teenager and Mm -hmm. going through all of the emotional stuff. Like we covered, um, we covered my so-called life on this show a a while back and this show kind of feels like it's the love child of of um my so called life and like Ghostbusters. Like there's <laughs> there's like um that th- that element uh, in the emotional resonance stuff is so strong, and then the you know the monster of the week stuff is so fun that it's just this like it's peanut butter and chocolate. They're just two great tastes that taste yeah. great together, and it's unique. Like there's very few shows that will do something this supernatural. That lands this emotionally hard, even like I don't know, things like Smallville or whatever. Like there's there's plenty of shows that do comic book stuff or supernatural stuff that's like kind of fun, Mm. but none of them would do an episode like The Body. None of them would have an episode that's like, yeah, we're gonna have our musical number episode end with all of these characters relationships falling apart and be emotionally devastating right yeah we're not you know the, this place this show goes to those places and because of that I think people will keep coming back to it for that
2: oh yeah definitely I mean I know that's why I keep going back
0: all right well um Betsy thank you so much for doing this this was a pleasure and it was a pleasure to revisit this stuff. Uh, is there a place where people can find your stuff if they, uh, they want to know more about you?
1: Yeah,
2: I actually have an Amazon author page um, under Betsy Ray Allen. That's R-A-Y-E. Um, and I'm in just a couple anthologies, but that's where you can find me at.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll put a link to that in the episode uh, in the notes so people can find that and hopefully uh, read your stuff.
1: Awesome. And
0: uh, it's, uh, for some quick admin on our side, of course, if you like the show, uh, you can tweet to us as long as Twitter hasn't been completely burned to the ground, which uh, it's getting worse every day. But uh, we're still at uh, Nostalgium, at Nostalgiam Pod on Twitter. Uh, and we're also on Instagram. And uh, please do follow us on Instagram because that's where I post all of the bonus reels for the week, uh, just extra ...fun content about the topic. If you have thoughts about this episode, uh, Buffy, or our recent ones, which include... uh, ...our last few were, what, uh, Terminator 2... And uh, Rocky Four, and before that, The Far Side. If you have thoughts on some of our upcoming episodes, which include—and uh, I'm not 100% sure on the order—but they're going to include my cousin Vinny, um, Yu-Gi-Oh. We're going to do one on Chrono Trigger, uh, and one on Doom. So we got a couple of video game ones for for those folks coming. So neat stuff. Uh, and I'm and I'm working on a few more things. So uh, always good stuff in the future. So um, Betsy, thanks again for doing this. This was an absolute treat.
2: Oh yes, no, thank you for having me. I'm glad Amy suggested this.
0: <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's the best day. producer Yes uh, all right. <laughs> So uh, until next time That is one more entry in the nostalgia <laughs> Art Camp
3: So can. I will
1: walk through
3: the fire Cause where else can I turn
1: I will walk through the fire And
3: let it The torch out there is scorching me Buffy's laughing, i know no doubt I hope she fries I'm free if that bitch
1: dies I better help her out Cause she is drawn to the fire Some people she will never learn And she will walk through the fire Will this do a thing to change her? Am I leaving Dawn in danger? Is my slayer too far gone to care? What if Buffy can't
3: defeat it? Beady Eyes is right where needed Or we could just sit around and
1: glare
0: We'll see it through It's what we're always
1: here to do So we will walk through the fire
3: So one by one they turn from me, I guess my friends can't face the cold, but why I froze, not one among them knows,
1: and never can be told, she came from the grave much graver, first he'll
3: kill her, then I'll save her, everything
1: is turning out
3: so dark. No, I'll save her, then fine.
1: I'll kill her. In what but they This end. line's mostly filler. What is what they take to strike outside. a spark?
3: These endless days two, are finally ending
1: in a blaze. And, and we are caught two, in the fire. The point of no, no return. return. So we will walk yeah. through yeah. the fire and, and let it burn. We must be pretty far north by now. Yeah, you're right. Look, there's the Aurora Borealis.
2: Yes, and there's the Aurora Borealis.
3: Hi there. Things are kind of beautiful up north, huh?